0: Welcome to Second Win with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford.
1: Good day. How are y'all? Welcome to Second Wind. This is going to be an exciting series. We're starting a series today, and I'm so excited to have Sandra Beck, who will be my co-creator of this series, and she will be um important part of helping this become one of the most valuable uh, series that you will listen to on narcissism. And so we're talking about narcissism, but are you familiar with what it is? Well, let me just explain to you first. The word narcissism can be used in two ways, as a diagnosis for a psychopathological disorder and also as a description of what is considered normal, just being selfish or egotistical. Narcissism and selfishness appear in a wide spectrum. So stretching from health, self-care on one end, to the extreme of destructive narcissism on the other end. Wow. A destructive narcissist is pathological. He or she, comes in both genders, doesn't care at all about their impact on others, even if it creates danger or damage to the people they're closest to. So the tendency can be found in almost everyone in the American culture, for sure. We need to focus a great deal of attention on ourselves and on meeting our needs in order to meet life's many, many challenges. So, we will be, Sandra and I, will be delving into just exactly what is a narcissist, how to find the trait, so many things to help you better understand if you're bumping up against a narcissist in your life. So, let me um, introduce you to Sandra Beck, one of my dearest and favorite interviewers. Sandra is all about empowering those that she works with. And as you see in her delivery, she gives her all. Whether she is coaching a company owner, training a stay-at-home mom, or is speaking to a corporate group about personal and professional growth, her message is all about what is possible, how to create the circumstances of you're choosing the best possible outcome for yourself. Sandra is teaching all of us transit, transit physical limitations. She, she teaches us and her clients how to maximize their lives by using the power of the Internet coupled with solid business practices along with the drive of their passions to create a lifestyle that they have always dreamed of, Sandra Beck. Welcome to the thank park. you. It's such a pleasure, and it's I just, love talking to you. <laughs> Thanks. I think the feeling is mutual. So I, we have really taken on a bear here. This narcissist is a big subject that we're going to be talking about for the next few uh, weeks.
2: So, it is, it is Joyce, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we come across narcissists and we think, oh, what a jerk. Or, oh, he's so full of himself. Or, oh, if she just makes me try to feel sorry for her one more time. And, you know, those are the things we come across day to day, but when they really start to negatively impact your life, yeah. that's when we want to sit up and pay attention. And I was surrounded by narcissists. I didn't realize I was the type of person that attracted them because I'm like, yeah. how did I end up with a boss, a spouse, a, you know, family members of course, you know, are are by birth, but and then I looked at some of my friends and I'm like, wow, they're all around me. That couldn't be a coincidence. Right, yeah. I think you mentioned
1: something really interesting to me. Is that it's so much of our early programming that we begin the traits of being a good match for a narcissist. Yes, yeah. The traits of kindness, of love, of can I give you more? Can I help more? Can I be more for you to make your life easier? Without we think we're being just good, sweet. People, supporting people.
2: How does that happen? It does. I mean, you know, when we're raised with compassion, we're raised to give, we're raised to, you know, understand, we're raised to forgive, you know, and these are all really great qualities. They just make us ripe for the picking if somebody wants to exploit those good tendencies. Right, right. I kind of think,
1: uh, when we talk about the millennials as being the me, 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 me generation. I think my generation was all about, uh, serving more, being of help more. Uh, but certainly it was my, my birth family that helped, uh, helped develop that, uh, uh, characteristic, I think you might say.
2: Well, sure, cause you're a good girl. You know, I look at what schools teach, you know, and maybe not so much today, but, you know, when you and I were young, and I know we're, we're you know, different generations, but it was true for me, too. You know, if you're a good student, you're a good girl in school, you're helpful, you're kind, you don't take offense to things, you, you know, and then if you look at certain, you know, religious trainings, what do they teach us? You know, understanding, compassion, forgiveness,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: Again, those are all really great characteristics, just ripe for somebody to exploit them if they choose. Yeah,
1: yeah. So what are some of the traits, Sandra?
2: I think of,
1: you know, I didn't hear in my relations with the narcissist, the the, I'm sorry uh you know, forgive me. That was a really mean thing to say or do. I I really didn't hear that much.
2: <laughs> no. no, you're not going to. Um, some of the some of the traits that you might recognize in people who have varying degrees of narcissism. You know, because like you said, it's a big spectrum. Yeah. Um, they might throw temper tantrums or use emotion, you know, to get you to feel sorry for them or to do things for them. You know, they really look at people for what they can do for them, not really, oh, this person is nice or I like this person or I enjoy this person. It's like these people have value use to them. and. Right. I think two of the big ones that are the ones that go, wow, you're really dealing with a person that might not be in your best interest Uh is when they make a mistake or they do something that's, you know, kind of pretty awful. Uh They don't they don't see it as awful or wrong. They don't see the other people's feelings. They don't apologize. They don't own it. It's like, well, I did this because you did that or because they did this. There's always an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And. They really only see themselves, and you can see it in a conversation. If they're talking, 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 and then you start talking, and their eyes kind of glaze over, they pick up the TV remote. Like, they really don't care what you're saying, and you can feel that. Like, everybody knows what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to them talking, and boy, if you do the same thing, you know, if you pick up the remote, if you glaze over, all of a sudden they're offended. Like everybody right. knows people like that. Those are some real common, you know, ways to recognize you're dealing with someone that might not be in your best interest.
1: Yes. Do, <clears throat> do you think they, they, they are drawn or they like the characteristics or do they only
2: see them that they can use them? our characteristics. It's a little bit of both. I mean, you know, people do, everyone does what works for them. You know, if you're a nice person and nice things happen to you, you're going to be nicer. I mean, that's just kind of the way we're made. So the narcissist finds these tools to work for them. And since they don't really worry about other people's feelings, since they don't have any empathy and they really don't care Mm -hmm. about exhausting someone or using someone, it really doesn't matter to them. Like they they just don't even think about it. You know, like when I would clean my house top to bottom and my narcissistic partner would come home and find a pile of mail in the corner and he'd say, what are we going to do with this? Now, I uh-huh. had just cleaned the whole house. He found the one thing to pick on kind of to let me know he's looking, he's in charge, you didn't finish it, you know, all this yeah. stuff. And it would make him feel good that I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't get to that yet. And, you know, I'll get to it tomorrow or, or, you know, sorry. Um, yeah. All those things make them feel good. Now, you and I, Joyce, if I did that to you, I'd feel terrible. Yeah. It's like, oh, true. you just yeah. cleaned this whole house. Like, thank <laughs> you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and how did you feel when this was happening to you? When he did this to you? When this, this criticism, did you feel apologetic? Did you feel oh, like, sure. oh, shame or what, what, oh. what were you, some of the feelings you were going through?
2: I was embarrassed. You yeah. know, I felt foolish that I missed that. Yeah. Um, I tried to do better the next time, you know, really in earnest, you know, this is a person that I cared about and loved and, and I wanted to make them happy. Sure. So. What I noticed, though, after years was that no matter what I did to make this happy, and I had a narcissistic boss as well, and I started seeing the corollaries because i'm like no matter what i did joyce it was never good enough there was always a little bit more they wanted and i thought like oh that's just a boss you know motivating but then i realized no it's like no matter what i did it was never good enough and then sometimes they would be really cruel and I couldn't believe it, and I would chalk it up to a bad day or chalk it up to, you know, they're under stress. But then yeah. there would be all this confusion, and I started to not know, like, what was going on. I felt, when you talk about the feelings, I felt, first I felt embarrassed and shamed, and I wanted to do better. But right. then it changed to, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what's going on, and why are you so mean to me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I can see that if you weren't a perfectionist in the beginning, you certainly were after <laughs> like, many years, right? Absolutely. That's just promoting perfectionism.
2: <laughs> and it was, there is no perfect with them because you're not them. And that's the thing that drives you a little bit crazy that, you know, I remember one time putting stuff away in the supply closet at work and I put the boxes so that you could read the color of the box, like the pens, and I stacked them all up. And she comes in and she's like, you know, what is wrong with you? Why don't you know that they're supposed to be this way? And she moved them around and I'm like, I could have organized that closet a hundred ways and 99 would be wrong. Right. Yeah. Because she had her way.
1: Yeah. Her way was
2: right. Her way was right. And that's yeah. it. With a the narcissist, they're always right. You're always wrong. Like, I remember this big fight about China. I put stuff in my China cabinet, and this was not my narcissistic partner. This was a narcissistic family member, uh-huh. and it was the mother. <laughs> and uh, yes. I put the glasses in, and she's like, well, if you put the glasses in, you know, kind of lip up. She's like, then the germs fall in. And I said, well, if you flip the glasses down, don't you sit it sometimes in dust? Well, if you cleaned your cabinets, you wouldn't have dust. Uh, I,
1: I'm laughing because I think it's so funny to listen to it. But if you're experiencing it, it's painful. It's, it's painful, very painful.
2: Because you can't do it right. 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 Because then I'm yeah. like, what do I do, lay the glasses on their side? like <laughs>
1: It's... And there's sort of this little message going on. How how is she gonna receive this? What's she gonna find? What's what's gonna be the pick? What's oh, gonna be yes. right? That's going on in your brain. Yeah, because like, then
2: you start kind of they say they use talking the on eggshells. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Well. Yeah. Well, how are these people created? Sandra, they didn't come that way. We came as precious little babies, so full of just love, 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 and yet they have flipped.
2: So... You know, there's, the studies say, you know, that it can be because they're too pampered as a child. Maybe there's high parental expectations. Sometimes they're neglected in childhood. Sometimes they can't, you know, express their feelings. Um, sometimes they say they witnessed abuse as a child and then they say they're born with predisposed genetic inheritance. Now, I'm going to tell you having a father, one of, you know, the father of my children, um, is a narcissist. And one of my children, even though they were born in the same household, has much more narcissistic tendencies than the other. Mm. And he just came out that way. He came out certain he was right. He came out hard to <laughs> apologize. Even as a little yeah. kid, I had to argue with him. Hey, you got to say you're sorry. Hey, did you see you hurt this person's feelings? Hey, when you took that truck away that he was playing with that, it can't be just what uh-huh. you want. And then my second one came out and he's easy peasy. He's like, Oh yeah, sorry. I, I didn't uh-huh. mean to like. I could, because I'm just going to say anecdotally from my own family experience, I can see how it is part of their genetic makeup, or at least in this case. Mm-hmm. And then the circumstances either fuel that aspect of their personality or they help the child control it.
1: Yeah. Now, how does the interaction, if we can be. Kind of using your sons as sure. examples. How does the interaction, has the one that's the more considerate developed sort of a, a way of interacting with his brother so that he's not always at a risk all the time in being attacked by the brother? How does that, how does that developed?
2: Well, it's developed in a way that I had to help my one son shore up against the other one and then take my other son aside and say, hey, you know, there are many roads to the top of the mountain. Just because he does it this way doesn't make him wrong. You can't keep telling him he's wrong.
1: Yeah, because
2: that's not fair. It's not right. It's not good for him. And I know you love your brother. But when you pound on him that you're right, and he's wrong. And this is way beyond just like some little fact. This is about loading the dishwasher, folding laundry, you know, uh, uh yeah. doing up a homeschool report, you know, uh, uh, that they both, you know, they both go to the same school and so one's one grade ahead. So he's like, well, I did it this way and this was the right way to do it. And so, you know, those things require a lot of navigational management as a parent to go, hey, you're not always right. And there are mm-hmm. acceptable other ways. And you know what? You have to learn to stand up for yourself and set stronger boundaries with your brother so he's not running over you all the time. Yeah.
1: What a valuable mom you are to be able to see this and help the the, the kinder, softer son develop those those techniques or those uh, uh, strategies that he needs to be able to uh, work with an, a person that has those tendencies, narcissistic yeah. tendency. I mean, and really, that's that's wonderful because you're always going to he's always going to be bouncing up against those people. I mean, it's not just in his family. It's everywhere.
2: Not all narcissism is bad. Like that's what I want to share today that, you know, one of the things that the narcissistic tendencies do, especially for my, my older son is that it allows him to block out everything and focus on a solution, you know, so Ah. when you're need somebody to make a decision, um, I have a friend who's a cancer researcher, and he he can just tell his family, "No, I can't go on vacation. No, daughter, I can't go to your concert. No, I can't do this because I'm so focused on my cancer solution." Now, that's a really lofty, great goal. Does it make you a great husband and a dad? Eh, not so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, but some of these narcissistic tendencies are the reason that people are strong leaders. That mm-hmm. you know, so they're not all bad. But you have to have someone in your life mitigating those decisions and saying, hey, you know, did you think about this? If you do this, the people in your company are going to feel this because, you know, narcissists mm-hmm. aren't big feelers for anything right. other than themselves.
1: Right. Definitely. So that's a big red flag. And yeah. there are, you know, there are some others and I think um, most spouses like I'm thinking of that spouse if if they somehow we take in an understanding that, okay, this is the way he is, so I can tolerate this. Then there are those that are totally caught off guard, which they're brainwashed over time to accept this behavior as just the way he is. And so it's kind of an interesting um, relationship that develops with the narcissist but so that we could help that person that may not quite sure what they have but they know they <laughs> have a person that's pretty selfish what are some of the uh, i know in my case it was control mm-hmm. control's a big one control from top to bottom so controlling Everything in the relationship. So how does that, what are some of the other red flags that you have seen?
2: Sure. Um, you know, control is a, a big, big part of it. And it kind of bleeds over into a lot of these other things. Um, you can start seeing, you know, because when you're married to a narcissist, or you're in a relationship with them, or you have a friendship with them, the narcissism grows over time. It doesn't start out like this big ball, and mm-hmm. you recognize it right away. It's like it's like a you know turning up the heat, you know, or turning down the air conditioning. It slowly drips out, but yeah. mm-hmm. the control bleeds over into a lot of isolation for the family because if anybody gets in the way of influencing you or the other family members, the narcissist doesn't like that because they lose control so they try to isolate you they try to put down your friends or discourage you from having anybody who has any powerful influence over you same thing right. with kids they don't want they fight with coaches they fight with teachers because they want the control over the children not the teacher not the coach I remember a time when um My, the kid's father got in a big argument with one of the coaches and they had him leave the field because he couldn't not coach his own child on the field. And the coach Uh is like, I'm the coach. And so when you see these parents in the stands wanting to coach their kids, and it goes beyond just, Hey, you know, Johnny, get a hit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right.
2: Um, They want to retain that control. That's what control looks like in a family. In order to keep everybody subordinate and the narcissist in control, they have to criticize. So a kid comes and shows them a homework or a wife bakes a cake, then or the husband comes home with some great thing, and then the spouse criticizes it. They have to minimize it. Mm -hmm. um they also can actually go so far as to say horrible things about the kids or the parents um the you know the spouse to the community to start to get people to avoid them i have a Mm -hmm. parent narcissist that actually went in and turned his own kid into the school for doing something wrong because he the parent wanted to look like the hero he turned his kid in and it was a very mild offense it wasn't anything and most parents would even think about but he was going to make sure that his child got punished and that he was going to make sure the principal punished the child yeah
1: so he sort of came out set himself up to be the hero yes
2: Ah, we like being the hero. We like being the hero. And if we can't ah. be the hero because we're really good at something or our house is on fire and we have to run and save our children, we yeah. will manufacture scenarios where we are the hero, whether it's the wife or the husband. It can be both easily.
1: Right. Yeah. I've met the hero. I've met the hero. <laughs> yeah. I, now what, what, what determines the, nasty language that some people choose to use in
2: critiquing somebody calling them names where does that come from i think a lot of it comes from most narcissists are pretty smart they're pretty Uh good readers of human behavior so if you um you know like i think of my own experience with narcissists if they talk about my weight because i've 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 always had to struggle with my weight you know and and i work out and i try to keep myself really healthy but one of my hot buttons is if somebody says i look fat or i look sloppy or how i look it, my appearance is something that i i'm sensitive about yeah. um uh, and so when it, a narcissist finds your weak spot they're going to exploit it now my friend she's a she's the narcissist my friend's the husband is really, um, he doesn't like bad language. He doesn't like swearing. So she will purposely criticize him with a swear word in it because it's for maximum effect to criticize someone. So it's not so much the bad words, but it's the words that will, will hurt you the most, will get the most effect out of you because this is where it gets creepy whether the narcissist is a man or a woman when they hurt someone where most people would feel bad for hurting someone or they would feel like they want to make it up to that person the narcissist feels hey they love me so much that they're upset hey look what i did Look how important I am that I can create this reaction. And since they don't have empathy, they don't feel sorry for you. They find it fun. They find it enjoyable. It feels good to them to get a reaction, whether the reaction is positive or negative. Mm. Yeah. So the tool, like you said, like the, you know, calling you names, the names they choose to call you um are the ones that are designed to inflict not necessarily the most damage but the mm-hmm. biggest reaction.
1: Ah, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. You know there there's another one we uh, another characteristic that we haven't talked to you and I want to get to before we go to break is <clears throat> the anger that is held. Mm. And we only have 2 minutes so it's going to be quick. But <clears throat> the anger is not always expressed anger. It's like you see it in their eyes, or it's, it's a no feeling, tense. Yes. Hesitating.
2: It's you, a seething. It's, it yes. doesn't necessarily have to be them hitting, throwing, but you know, good, good. Identifications are whipping remote controls, knocking over game boards when you lose with your kids, you know, slamming the steering wheel when you're angry in the car talking. So there's outward expressions, but a lot of the tool of choice of a narcissist, especially a high functioning one, is the cold shoulder, is the not answering, is the glaring, is the Mm. seething. They're going to sit at a nice dinner party and really only you will pick up on it. That's why I have said these they're really good readers of human behavior. They know you're going to pick up on their mad, but they're not going to make a big scene about it. They're just going to make sure, you know, they're mad at you and they're going to make sure they ruin the whole evening for you. I, yeah. Wow. Well, these are just a few of the red
1: flags that one would ex, uh, experience, maybe in meeting somebody, um, in going out dating with someone. As as Sandra shared, this develops in in uh, intensity as the relationship goes on. So sometimes it's kind of hard to see those red flags. Sure, <clears throat> but they are the tools that are used by the narcissist. So when we come back and continue this interesting journey with you all, we're going to talk about things that you can't have if you live with a narcissist and expand on this subject. So we're looking forward to continuing this subject.
0: Motivational speaker and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Find out more at com or by calling
1: 903-287-0747. Tokenet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-Y-C-E, to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, sign up, and enjoy the discounts. This is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-Y-C-E.
0: Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are talking
1: with Sandra Beck and we are talking about narcissists. Now, have you met a narcissist? Maybe you've bumped up against one because there are many of them walking around America today. Out of the sheer need to be the best, pay attention and sort of be a little selfish on their own part. So it's all about me is the narcissist way of thinking. So <clears throat> in segment one, we did the red flags. We tried to alert you to with the nurse, how you could identify one. Now Sandra, we're talking about some things that we got through the relationship and, and we're very into the relationship now, whether it's a boss or a partner or a friend, and there's some things that if you're hanging around a narcissist, you're just not able to do. And one of those things is have a close friend because that's robs his time, or her, her tongue.
2: It do- well, it does a lot of things. You know, some of the characteristics of a narcissist are jealousy and control and um, criticism. So okay. a close friend takes the power away from that. So if they're trying to control you, a close friend most likely is going to defend you. They're going to meter the criticism. They're going to say, my gosh, you cleaned the whole kitchen. Why, why would you care about a stack of mail? There's four envelopes, you know. Okay. They're also going to defend you. And when two of the things that the narcissist is really good at is blaming, you know, they do something wrong. It's your fault. You made me do this. Well, a close friend is going to say, that's crazy. You are not in control of them. You can't make them do that. They made those decisions. They're just blaming you. So that's where close friends have to get the boot because they get in the
1: way. Yeah, I've been in situations where, actually, you know, sometimes at a party I can be very gregarious and outgoing, and and actually I take the stage because I I like that part of performing yeah. and being open and so forth, and I would feel the the dislike or the intensity of displeasure, yep, from my narcissist. It was so interesting. Yeah. Now I understand it. Then I didn't understand. It.
2: Right? Because you're like, what am I doing wrong? I'm having fun. Yeah. I'm being charming. I'm I'm keeping the party happy. I'm 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 really doing a good job over here. And right. then you look over at the narc, and they're like, you know, they kind of want to kill you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> kinda. kinda. <laughs> well, I kept struggling for some form of of intimacy. Oh. What about that big one?
2: You <laughs> know, in order to be intimate with someone and we're not just talking about physical. You know, intimacy, let's define it. That's yeah. that's kind of sitting and holding hands and watching TV together and sharing thoughts and feelings. It's also about, you know, sharing, you know, bodies and sharing, you know, that that aspect right. of, you know, the kind of the behind the bedroom door aspect. Yeah. Right. Um yeah. But in order to have real intimacy, you have to have feelings. And the narcissist really doesn't have feelings except for their own wants and needs. So they don't really come off as a very caring partner. They don't come off as a generous Partner, a generous lover, now they'll be generous if there's an audience. You know, they'll give you a a nice bracelet as long as it's in front of people. (laughs) You know, it has to be some benefit to them, but if you just liked a bracelet, the likelihood of them picking it out and buying for you just because you like it and give it to you just because they want to make you happy, like never happens. There's always an agenda. Right. And yeah. so it's really hard to have real intimacy. And a a narcissist, Joyce, is very much a taker. They're going to take from you what they can get, whether it's money, whether it's esteem, whether it's it's food, clothing, you know, whatever you can do for them, they take. Mm-hmm. So to have a really good intimate relationship, there has to be an exchange of give and take. And they really can only take. And they'll give grudgingly. Like anybody in a relationship with a narcissist knows this. Well, fine. If that's what you want, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, so it's not, it's really hard to have intimacy. It's hard to have trust because you also, as the partner of a narcissist or the child or the employee of a narcissist, you're constantly criticized and blamed for things. So you can't feel safe. You can't feel at peace. You can't feel loved. You actually oh. either become defensive or put the shields up and shut down. So oh. it's really hard to enjoy real intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned here, are you, you,
1: it's here in my heart is the respect. There's uh, sort of the respect for the other person that seems to be non-existent. Uh, I don't respect you for what you have or what you bring to the to the relationship.
2: No, uh, because at the core, a narcissist is insecure. And they don't like themselves very much. There's no self-love. There's no self-respect for them. They're just kind of getting what they want out of life. So mm-hmm. when they look at you, and I, you know, I saw this a couple times when they, you know, in therapy with the narcissistic partner, mm-hmm. when you sit there and you say you love this person, when you love someone who hates themselves, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. You have a problem. I don't like that you love me because I don't love myself. And I know that's like kind of a real harebrained kind of thing to get your head around. But if you don't like like I'll give a good example. Um, I'm 50 and I've had two kids. So the girls are not as perky as they used to and my can't fit into my tiny jeans. (laughs) <laughs> so when I don't like that about myself as as I aged, mm-hmm. and so if I'm out with someone and they say, "Wow, you have a really pretty body," or your your shirt looks really nice, or oh, gee, you look amazing in that bathing suit, because I'm already uncomfortable about those body parts, I can't receive the love or the appreciation or the admiration. It, it kind of makes me squirmy. So imagine that as a narcissist going, well, honey, I love you. I, I believe in you. I trust you. It makes them squirmy because they don't believe in those things in themselves. And then they can resent you because you're at, your love and admiration actually makes them feel uncomfortable.
1: Now, do you think that contributes to the woman that can't take a compliment from another friend? Because we see that a lot. In uh, And I'm not saying that's the only reason she can't, but right. it seems as though it might feed that insecurity in a woman, even from hearing it from another friend.
2: Yes, because when somebody compliments you on something that you're unsure or uncomfortable about, yes. it feels weird. Yeah, yeah.
1: They don't know how to respond to it.
2: Right. Oh, like I've been divorced and I went through a very public and ugly divorce. And that's kind of a source of embarrassment and shame for me, because I'm not I'm a public person, but I'm I'm not public about my private life sometimes. And that yes. that was a big source of embarrassment for me. You know, it was it was hard for me. So when somebody says, Wow, look what you've done since your divorce, you're like the most amazing divorced, and every time they say the word divorce, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. And they're trying to compliment me, but it feels, just because of me, you know, there's no way the other person would know this, but yeah, it makes you cringy, it makes you feel like, (gasps) you know, just tell me you like my purse, that's a lot easier for me to handle.
1: (laughs) I know, for many of us, the, the, the statement about divorce is one, we never thought we'd be going through it, and then... And then it, it seems to have been the only solution. So, uh, it is an awkward subject to talk about yeah. and not go into, well, <laughs> but you know, the story. So, um, you, you have a statement, you have a statement here that says speak your truth. So you, so in that relationship, you can't really be who you really are because no. you have to fit into a mold.
2: Right, you have to do, be, say, think the way the narcissist thinks is right. Right. So two people cannot occupy the same body. Two people cannot be, even, I have friends who are mirror image identical twins. They're so cool. One's left-handed, one's right-handed. They came from the same egg. You know, they're they're the coolest ladies ever. They have completely different opinions, and they're mirror image identical twins. Mm. So, if identical twins can't be that way, then the expectation a narcissist has for a child, for a spouse, for a friend, for a parent, for anyone, to believe, think, and do the way they think is right is impossible. So, when you speak your truth, you know, when you say, I like bananas, and the narcissist says, no, you don't. (laughs) I mean, that's a really funny, silly example. But, you know, yeah. like take politics, take religion, take belief systems, uh-huh. take anything you want. If you disagree with the narcissist, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. So what happens over time is you you stop speaking, you stop thinking, you stop feeling. And it's not like you can just do this with the narcissist. You know, if the narcissist is in your home or in your office, you learn to shut up. You learn to not bring up anything that's going to annoy anger or get a negative reaction out of them because you don't want to deal with it. And it's painful. Right. You kind of lose your voice. Oh, you in that absolutely. Relationship, don't you?
1: It's yes. just you don't, you don't speak anymore. You don't uh, express your ideas because your ideas are wrong.
2: Right, and then you're nervous out in public because it really rattles your self-esteem and your self-concept and your self-worth because, you know, if in your home at dinner you're told you're stupid because you believe this, and it's they don't necessarily always use those words, they just imply it, they argue you to death, you know, they keep hammering on you, they laugh at you and say, how could you think that, you know. What happens is you go out in the rest of the world and you're so beat up inside like that, you don't, you don't want to say anything. So mm-hmm. you just become this very nice, like kind of polished plastic person that has no opinions, no thoughts, and just smiles and agrees with everyone.
1: Right. I have a statement that I, I heard a lot is I'm not sure you can understand this. How do you like that one?
2: Yes, you're <laughs> so dumb. You can't possibly understand what me, the big smart person, is saying. Definitely.
1: Well, Definitely.
2: and the funny thing about that, Joyce, is, you know... Um, you know, I, I'm just going to say it. I have a genius IQ. I've been tested. And um, so if anybody's going to understand that, I will. But my boss and my partner, you know, the narcs in my life are so convincing. They had me believing that I was wrong, that I didn't remember. And I want to give just a quick example of what this looked like, because pretty much you can recognize somebody calling you stupid. It's pretty obvious. Right. But here's a good example of the insidiousness of what it looks like in a household. I needed to pick up my narcissistic partner from the airport. So I get the kids in the car and I go to pick up the narcissist. It's I'm maybe five minutes late. It's LA. It's LAX traffic. What are you going to do? So wow. <laughs> Right. So I get yelled at in the car for being late. Cause how can you not get the kids ready? How can you not do this? Uh. So, you go home and then a week later you're having a conversation and all of a sudden you were an hour late and you're like, oh. I wasn't an hour late. And oh. then a month later, don't you remember that time I had to sit at the airport a couple of months ago and you were like three hours late. Oh my gosh. And no. so what would happen is they would escalate the drama, rewrite the thing. And then you're sitting here going, What the heck? I I, I wasn't. I wasn't, but there's no proof. So what I started to do was I would write the truth in my day planner. I would write the truth on a Post-it and stick it in one of my kitchen cabinets. Picked up NARC at 235, American Airlines, plane landed at 215. Oh, my. Now, I wouldn't turn it around and show him to prove him wrong, because proving a narcissist wrong just means a bigger fight. Mm -hmm. But I needed it for my sanity. And so I had all these little post-its hidden everywhere and little notes in my day planner because you start to recognize when somebody's going to do this. Like you know they're going to use this at some point because you made the mistake. So yeah. I would write the quote mistake down so I knew what the actual mistake was. Mm-hmm. So 10 weeks later, it wasn't exploited and blown up into this big thing that I was now starting to get confused.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The self-doubt seems to grow. Oh, If you didn't write that down, you might tend to really start thinking, well, maybe it was a little longer than. I know this sounds really crazy, but that's what you start doing. Maybe if I had done this, maybe I wouldn't have been that 30 minutes late. I mean, it's like crazy world. Crazy world.
2: It's crazy world. That's when I knew I needed to file for divorce, was coming home one day and... I was. I had both of my kids in the car, and my hands were shaking because I knew I was late. Mm. Oh, and I'm okay. driving fast on the freeway. I'm driving, and then I remember driving up, and I heard my mom's voice going, "You're going to end up killing yourself and your kids if you keep speeding around like this." It was in my head, uh-huh. and I thought. All the reason I'm speeding around is because he's going to have a temper tantrum when I get home. And I wasn't even that late, and I'm not a chronically late person. But even if I was, no one, no husband, wife, employee, I see it with my, um, when I worked for the narcissist, the employees would be like one girl parked in an illegal zone just to be late. Her car got towed, and she's like, I'd rather deal with my car getting towed than having the narc boss scream at me. Oh, no. What a way to work. Ooh. Right. But I mean, but these are these are real life examples. So people can look at their life because it's one thing to talk theory and say, oh, you can't speak your truth. Well, <laughs> what does that really mean? It, you know, and, you know, the control. What does control really look like? Well, control looks like getting your car towed or driving like a lunatic so you don't get screamed at.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we just moved in to the mind games. This, and we've been Mm -hmm. in the mind games for the last few seconds because when you start doubting your sanity, that's messing with your mind. Yes. And your memory and your perspective. I mean, it's sort of like you, you're constantly trying to figure out how can I not get the abuse of the
2: right. narcissists. Right, you're double thinking.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, you don't believe that <laughs> most people get away from narcissists because of the craziness they develop in their selves.
2: Right. Well, and the crazy isn't so big in the beginning. You know, the crazy kind of ratchets it up like we talked about earlier, just like the temperature gets hotter and hotter during the day. Mm-hmm. Um and you also you also start to tolerate it more. And when you add children in the mix or a pension in the mix, you know, people don't want to quit a job because they have a pension or they're nearing retirement you know there's all sorts of reasons you know you have children you have a sick mother you have no skills you've been out of the workforce for 10 years how do you support yourself i mean all these things contribute to the partner of a narcissist or the employee of a narcissist staying right
1: oh definitely i i'm I'm so on the same page with you. What what I want to go back and talk about is what those children see in this marriage. How they see the interaction of two adults in a marriage. And it sets them up for bad marriages, bad Bad relationships, relationships, bad interaction with people. And what Usually happens, I'm going to say, is that they begin, because of the narcissist, they begin disrespecting the other person. The partner, yep. Yeah. It's, it's because they hear the conversation of the, you know, the spouse, or in, not so much in a work environment, but definitely in the home where the children are.
2: Oh, in the, fa- when the narcissist criticizes, constantly criticizes their, their partner or the child's mother or father, mm-hmm. when they use negative humor, you know, negative humor is making some funny, but hurtful and sarcastic remark. And then when you get upset, they're like, I was only kidding. I'm just joking. Yeah. Right. But all of those things contribute to, The kids seeing the narcissist in the power position and the partner not in the power position. And I'll tell you, the kids pick up on that real quick because kids want to please their parents. So they're going to start adjusting their behavior so they're not criticized. So they're not, you know, tantrums when a narcissistic parent throws a tantrum, it frightens the children. And the kids do lots of things to make sure mom or dad doesn't throw a tantrum. And then they also see when the narcissistic parent discards the spouse or discards one of the children. You know, the games the narcissist plays with the spouse, make no mistake, they play them with the kids too. They're just different um, executions of them. Narcissists play these games, these mind games with everybody. Right. It's just how much can they get away with. And then the other tool, of the narcissist, the other mind game that they play that kids fall into all the time. The narcissistic parent goes, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. I don't know how to do that. I can't imagine. And the kids are young. They fall for it. They're gullible. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't want to get the silent treatment. They don't want to get criticized. They don't want mom or dad to throw a tantrum. They believe the ignorance card, and they think the negative humor is funny because they don't know any better until it's turned on them. Mm -hmm. Do you think they get the silent treatment like the spouse does? Absolutely, they do. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, I have seen it. I've had it reported to me from from not only my own children, but other children of narcissists that come and go, Does your, you know, my dad's mad at me. He's not talking to me. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about this just for like a one-time occurrence. This yeah. is a tool the narcissists use, and it's, it's designed to inflict on the person that they're putting that fear and doubt. Fear, I don't love you anymore. Fear, you're going to get fired. Fear, it's a fear-building tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also saw separation,
1: separation from the partner, mm. uh, a big play too. Oh. Um, you know, as though their time with one partner was not as valuable as his time with the partner,
2: and so he would he instigated separation. Sure. Sure. And you know, there's another tool that, that narcissistic parents use. It's called polarization. It's pitting the kids against each other. It's pitting the kids against the parents. It's, it's, you know, when you want to conquer a country, you know, like I have a military background, when you want to conquer a country, yeah. the first thing you do is knock out the communication system. The next thing uh-huh. you do is divide and conquer. Well, think about a household. A narcissist does the same thing. You cut off the communication. You make the family members afraid to speak, and then you give them the silent treatment. You use you use the, the cutoff or the use of communication to control the family. Then you have, you know, the problem of divide and conquer. So if you mm-hmm. can get everybody fighting, you know, one of the hallmarks of a narcissistic family or having a narcissist in the family is they stir up trouble. They get Johnny, you know, fighting with Billy. They get Susie mad at mom. And they play all these games because if they can fragment, if a united family against a narcissist is strong. So what do we do? We break up the family. We literally purposefully keep the family dynamic fighting unhealthy squabbling not uh-huh. talking to each other so that the narcissist can move people around like pawns and they find it vastly entertaining they think it's funny when people in their family are fighting with each other and they've instigated it well they also get to keep that one
1: trait of the savior or oh, the the hero yeah the hero yes yeah definitely
2: Right, I'll set a fire and then put it out, and everybody will call me the hero for putting it out, but nobody knows I set the fire. Definitely, yeah, yeah, it's so interesting.
1: Interesting, and yet, um, uh, so sad. It is uh, sad. Because not only does the spouse walk away with all these, oh, oh I want to say, um, dysfunctions, yep. but the children do too, and they're everyone trying to create does. lies. So Everyone, everyone could. does. Yeah. Anybody
2: who gets involved with a narcissist, whether it's with a narcissistic teacher, a student narcissist in a classroom, mm-hmm. a narcissistic family member, they wreak havoc and damage with anyone they meet. Because either you're going to end up feeling used, you're going to be discarded, you're going to be made fun of. Like there's really no good positive outcomes of being in any sort of friendship or relationship with a narcissist for any deal of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you said discarded, and it just brought up the the fact that when the when the partner is discarded, that's a good example for the children that if they don't follow the narcissist yes. this is the result
2: this right. is what Everybody happens Right discarded too absolutely yeah. right Yeah
1: Well mind games mind games this is the uh <laughs> this should be um uh, uh I don't know what to call this other than just a land of craziness with yeah. all those mind games going on. So, how does someone in a situation like this recover? How does one move on with their life?
2: This, I, yeah, they need a lot of support. You know, they need to minimize the time spent with the narcissist if they can. You know, I get, you know, not everybody is gonna choose divorce, not everybody's gonna choose to cut off all contact. But you know, the 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 partner needs a lot of support. They I believe that they need a good therapist that understands narcissism. Because if a therapist doesn't understand working with a narcissist, they actually can Use therapy to weaponize against you.
1: So in this segment, we've covered a lot about the narcissist so that you could try and recognize him. How does he develop? How did he develop? He, she develop? How do how do we get to be a narcissist or combined, mated with a narcissist or work with one? And how do you interact with them to keep your sanity or exactly what happens while you are with the narcissist. So this is segment number one. We are going to have three more segments. And I hope that you continue because we're taking you through the whole spectrum of how to interact with the narcissist, how to recognize and grow so that you can live and make the choices that you need to have a happy, productive life. So I hope to see you next week. So you'll come back for segment number two. Second
0: Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at joycebufordempowers.com.